0: There has been an emotional quality to the change that I've made and it's mostly come from the reduction of stress and I think when you're in a high stress situation you often don't realise how much stress you're piling on top of yourself and when you suddenly take that all away and give yourself room to breathe and room to think you can come out of that a slightly different person.
3: Ian.
1: Yes. You look like you've had enough, man. You're in your PJs with your beanie on, the long beard. It's 1230 in the afternoon (laughs) on a Thursday. Today's episode is inspired by a post I saw in the Dynamite Circle Forum by a guy named Jay Chambers. And the topic was about having enough. It's this idea of when you don't have a boss or a corporation telling you what to do the majority of your waking hours, you have to decide how many of your waking hours you invest where. And I know it sounds like a high quality problem, but it's a very real one for people who run their own businesses. Because you could quite literally work all day long every day, you could always be doing something, you could always make another buck. You could always be ordering dessert. But sometimes we just have to say enough. Enough is enough. In today's episode, we're going to hear from two people who've thought a lot about this issue. And honestly, Ian, I've always admired people who, you know, it's easy to find people who want to do more. Everybody wants a little bit more in some area of their life. But I've always admired people who've had the discipline to actually do less. And in particular, in this episode, we're going to talk about two people who've made that decision in their business. But first, we're going to share a little bit of our own experiences. Are you up for it? Enough. Enough is enough. <laughs> Were you willing to stick around with me just for this episode? I mean, are you even willing to get off the couch for this one? I was trying to call enough.
4: I said enough right to the interviews, but no, enough is enough. But I'm willing to do more.
3: I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough.
1: I just can't get enough. I just can't get. You know, I was talking to our friend Taylor yesterday. And he said to me, the reward for creating a successful business, and in your case in selling it, is an existential crisis.
4: That's exactly what happens every time.
1: I'm curious if you could maybe talk about a few times that you've proactively decided to take a step back in your business rather than push, 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 more, onward, upward, more, more, more. What are some things that you've done, some stories that you can remember?
4: Well, as you've called me out at the top of the episode, I haven't shaved for a while, so I said enough shaving. (laughs) (laughs) When we sold our business, I said enough money. In all seriousness, that was a conversation that we had many times before we sold the business. Running that product business became almost strictly a money-making endeavor for us. It was all about just making money. Neither of us had a lot of passion for that business at the end of that business. And so, essentially, we said enough. And I think what's hard about that is watching everyone around you think that you're kind of crazy because most people will never say enough is enough when it comes to money. That's just kind of the culture that we're living in right now, I think. Money kind of trumps everything. You can never get too rich and you can never
1: get too skinny.
4: Right, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> money trumps everything <laughs> and so we had to come in and say no money doesn't trump everything in fact we're making good money but
1: we've got things that we want to do with our time and so enough is enough well you know our friend Damian thompson asked us we were having a little bit of a impromptu mastermind and by impromptu i mean we were drinking alcohol <laughs> he said could you guys identify your three priorities in life like in terms of your projects and i'm curious like could you share what you shared that night i think you asked me this on the
4: podcast not too long ago and i gave an answer did you i don't know i I remember you asked me this question hopefully it wasn't on the podcast so hopefully my answer is still the same podcasting racing cars
1: and beating my cat's butt when he's back (laughs) (laughs) what about you so you mean like your your home life your personal life By the cat's butt stuff. Yeah. I always say that. I I don't have a cat, but similar is like the home life stuff. And so personal life too, I think you can wrap into that, you know? Like I love to see my friends, regularly call them, stuff like that, see family. The second thing is the community in this podcast. You know, you just can't get better at things if you don't invest more things in them, you know? And like one of the things about podcasting and a lot of creative pursuits is that you can't just throw money at it right? Like, I think it's frustrating, too, for business people is like, or if you want to be a writer, or even if you want to start a new business, you can't start a new business by just blowtorching money at it. Like, a lot of us get seduced into that. I mean, Ian, I can think of me and you personally, probably three to 10 times in the last five years that we've been seduced at like chucking money at stuff, hoping that it was going to be something meaningful in our lives. And it, it ended up just being us chucking money at stuff.
4: Or chucking energy into operations that were purely money-making schemes. yeah. I don't really mean scheme, but I do mean <laughs> money-making
1: businesses. If you want to build meaning, like you're going to have to give your energy to it and your time and your attention. And to me, part of selling the business was about seeing if we could make a run at being better podcasters. Because it's the beginning of 2016, I'll just put out
4: this for everybody and tell you, Dan. I think I've already told you this before, but you know, part of 2016 for me, when I knew that we were going to sell the business in 2015, was going to be about creating art and I said this at the end of 2015. I said, 2016, I want to start creating art again because that's what I did in the beginning of the business that we started. And so I want to try and get back to that. And I wasn't even sure what that meant. And I'm still not exactly sure what that meant. But I do know that in podcasting, I'm creating art. And with some of my racing endeavors and in, in car building, motorcycle building activities, I'm creating art. And so that's fulfilling that for me. And none of these have direct correlations to any kind of money, which is kind of interesting. But it's something that I'm dedicated to here in 2016. I do think though eventually the cows will come home on that kind of stuff.
1: Who was it that said that at cocktail parties, entrepreneurs talk about art and artists talk about money? I thought that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So my third one would be athletics, bike riding specifically. You're a true
4: inspiration. I'll tell you that. I'm on a diet. I can't keep up with you on Strava. It's quite impressive. Every time I log in there, it's like, oh man, I'm behind like five rides. Do I even get (laughs) on my bike today? I'm so far behind.
1: There's a lot of things that you do because when you explain them, they sound cool. I think painting is one of those things. Like, everybody always asks a painter, like, oh, why do you paint? You know, and the painter is supposed to say something like capturing the moment and the beauty, and because I think it's like the true essence of an object or whatever. But I think for a lot of painters, It's because painting feels really good. It's like a fun thing to do. It's something that I can do all day long, and I like it. And I feel like that exactly about riding bikes. You know, it's like I'm not on it because I want to get skinny or because I think it's an elegant form of transportation. All All those things are cool to talk about, and they're probably true. I just like to ride my bike. So that's it, man. I'm just thinking about. Wouldn't it be great to get on my bike right now? Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. <laughs> so that feels pretty good. And I think you feel the same way about working on this business. You know, working on the podcast. And this has devolved into a topic about like find your passion, which isn't always going to work out in business terms. You know, it's like a very narrow overlap that you're going to be able to find something that you just genuinely like going for. I do think though, for a lot of people that are starting new businesses, like those first few years where your clients are interested in your services or your products, and they're giving you the feedback and they're giving you money that can be a really magical like it's worth it in and of itself feeling you know and a lot of times i think when you sell a business or you get into that phase where i was just talking to brian castle who sold his business that was like growing it was profitable he automated himself out of it and all this stuff and it's just like well he like completely lost his passion for it you know and it still takes your mental energy and so it's interesting like in the early days we're talking about cash flow and you know market fit and profitability but that passion is there, right? Like you're building something and that's a pretty magical place to be in. And I think you have this kind of thing, like me and you are sitting around in robes right now. We just sold our business. Probably like if I looked on the floor right now of your couch, there's probably like, 10 soda bottles lined up or something. (laughs) (laughs) There's
4: soda water to the left for sure. On the floor is my microphone, man. That's it. My microphone case.
1: So those are my priorities, like I said. Well, we'd love to hear from the audience too about how people make these judgments. You know, how much income is enough? When do you focus your business on what you truly enjoy and what you think its objective potential would be? And that's what the interviews we're going to bring you today are all about so instead of us, the old guys in the robes rambling on forever, we brought some others just a tinge smarter than us. So Ian, you spoke with Nathan Barry, a guy that we met at MicroConf Europe, really smart entrepreneur. He runs, amongst other things, an email marketing company called ConvertKit that's seen huge growth. He wrote a post about a year ago called Enough on his blog and That really resonated with me, that post when he wrote it. I remember sharing it a few times and coming back to it. And so you ended up getting on the phone with Nathan. And and how did that conversation go?
4: So he was writing about a friend of a friend that had this experience, basically saying enough. You know, He worked at the beginning of the year and then he stopped working when he met his goals. And I think it's very interesting to be able to work in that way. And when I say
1: he met his goals, I mean financially. So you could like finish by August or whatever and then the rest of the year's off.
4: And the interesting thing about that, I think, is that he has a discrete goal. I think most people don't have a goal. It's just as much as possible. And as much as possible leads to not riding your bike, not racing cars, not doing all the things that you love because there's such a pull in society, I think, to go for as much as possible in terms of money. So this guy said, that's enough. And Nathan talks about ways in his life
1: that he says that's enough as well. So before we get to your conversation with Nate, Jane, our podcast producer, was able to reach out to one of the most interesting respondents to that thread. His name's Daryl Mander. We've met Daryl on multiple occasions. He runs a pay-per-click agency, so he helps people run successful paid ads called Big Flare. And he wrote about his experience of needing to reevaluate his life, like some deep stuff. Daryl started his entrepreneurial journey in 2012 when he left the UK and hunkered down to work in a small city in Malaysia. The good old baselining. I'm not going to bother to tell the story, because Daryl was kind enough to join us to tell it himself.
0: At first, it was just a lot of work but a lot of passion a lot of hours spent doing something i didn't really know how to do but i was learning very quickly i was basically working all the time like 7 days a week most hours of the day i mean i didn't have much of a social life in kuching i was didn't know many people there and there's not much going on in that town anyway which is kind of why i went there just so i could put my head down and work the first year was a lot of hours a lot of very repetitive work as well because i hadn't quite figured out the hiring thing yet and was doing everything myself and And then the second year... I kind of started to build a small team and starting to realize that I couldn't do this all on my own. What I'm doing now, the latest iteration, is almost taking a step back. I've gone back to being a one-man consultancy. I fired my team members. I fired all the clients that were troublesome or or difficult, which just so happened in my line of work to be most of the Facebook clients, unfortunately. So I I kept the, the AdWords and the Bing clients, most of which were really great, had high margins, not too difficult to run, and were a pleasure to work with. Whereas Facebook ads was this really difficult beast and I had a staff hired just to help me manage Facebook ads. I had difficult clients because Facebook ads were so difficult to run. So I kind of got rid of all the difficult parts of the business, got rid of my team, went back to being a one man consultancy and massively increased my sort of happiness quotient as a result. I'm, I'm much less stressed now, much happier and just more free time to chill out and do the things that I actually wanted to do when I set out on this journey.
3: I can see how letting the troublesome clients go would have been a big relief, but was it difficult deciding to let those team members go? Did you have any anxieties about them or concerns about them getting work?
0: Yeah, very much so. My apprentice in particular, Nick, I was very sorry to see him go because it's not as if he'd done anything particularly wrong. And it was just a a change in my business and my thinking that meant that he had to go. So I, I tried to be as generous as possible in making sure that he was set up afterwards to find more work and that's something I generally always tend to do is offer plenty of referrals and and advice on future directions and and any other sort of help that's required.
3: What was the one thing that you thought I've really got to change my life?
0: There was definitely a moment maybe it was a prolonged moment over a period of about a month or so. It was just after Christmas and I was reflecting back on my Christmas time with my family and realised that I'd spent Almost the entire Christmas locked away in my room. We we had this new client at the time that was a high-spending, decent-paying client. And as with most Facebook ads clients, and in my experience, the campaign was very difficult to run. So I spent a Christmas time where I was supposedly taking time off to be with my family, but actually not taking much time off at all. I was locked away in my room doing a lot of calls with the client, trying to smooth out the tough parts of the campaign and a lot of stress and worrying over whether they would stay. And I was reflecting back on the previous year and and my Christmas and started realizing that most of the stress in my business was, was coming from this one particular area. And if I got rid of that area, yeah, revenues would drop, but also stress would drop exponentially more than the revenues would drop. And that's kind of when I came to that decision.
3: Was it scary?
0: The letting team members go part was a bit scary. Feeling like the bad guy for letting them go, even though I, I know that technically I probably wasn't the bad guy for letting them go it's just business that part was scary but making the decision in itself and changing the business around that and going back to being a one-man consultancy where I'm much less stressed and don't need as much time to run the business making that decision and, and then acting on it outside of letting the team members go that wasn't very difficult no.
3: What hours are you working now compared to the ones you were before?
0: Before I was working anywhere between eight to 12 hours a day. An eight hour day would be a good day, and then a 12 hour day, not such a good day. And, and nowadays, I regularly take days off. The four day work week is quite a common thing for me right now. And when, on the days when I do work, maybe three to five hours.
3: What's been the reaction of other entrepreneurs? Have they been supportive or have you had some, man, what are you doing kind of conversations?
0: I haven't had any man, what are you doing conversations, which maybe there are people who would have that viewpoint, but are just too polite to say it. All the feedback that I've got from it has been relatively positive. I had an old mastermind group of other PPC owners who were in a similar space and line of work to me.
3: Just for people that aren't part of the DC, mastermind is a kind of group together brainstorming that you do online with other team members, other members of the DC.
0: Correct. And I was expecting some of that, from those guys from my mastermind group. But the feedback that I've got is they've been very supportive, and I've felt some tones of slight envy at the immediately reduced workload. Because when I did this and reduced my workload, very quickly over a short period of time. My my mastermind buddies are still working killer hours and some of them are still working killer hours even now. There's ups and downs to any decision like I might now be earning less revenue than them as a sort of bottom line annual figure and I might regret that part of my decision but the part of my decision that leads to massively reduced work hours and, and a less stressful life, I don't regret that part at all. And It's difficult to describe but I feel like I'm just a better person now. The lowered levels of stress and the increased amount of time to reflect on my life and my goals and the time that I now spend sort of journaling and thinking and being a bit more pensive and present in the moment, I think these have led me to being a more balanced and and better person to be around. Certainly the reaction from my from my girlfriend who, who lives with me and she's lived with me for the past two years and she's known me through the entire journey. Her reaction has been much more positive to this version of my business compared to the previous one. She's been much happier with the fact that I'm less stressed and able to spend more time with her and and able to do more things there has been an emotional quality to the change that i've made and it's mostly come from the reduction of stress and i think when you're in a high stress situation you often don't realize how much stress you're piling on top of yourself. And when you suddenly take that all away and give yourself room to breathe and room to think, you can come out of that a slightly different person.
3: And what are your plans for the future? I mean what's your vision of the way this will develop?
0: So I guess this is one of the disadvantages of what I'm doing and this is what I've realized. The business is kind of in maintenance mode. I have a list of clients that I'm happy with and they're happy with me and everything's ticking along quite nicely. But the hours that I've cut out of my work week could be spent on growing the business getting more clients hiring more staff and, and creating a machine that runs itself and right now on my sort of part-time work schedule I'm not really working towards that bigger end goal so what I'm doing now seems like a nice way to take a break for a while But in terms of future planning, I don't think it's a long term solution. What I'm doing right now is not going to build me a retirement nest egg. So plans for the future probably look a bit different. Plans for the future probably involve going back up in terms of work hours again, but doing it a bit differently because the previous way that I was doing it just wasn't working for me.
3: So you sort of see this as, you know, buying yourself a bit of breathing space, really, rather than it being at the moment a long term option for you.
0: Correct. Yes.
3: Are you able to kind of observe yourself in a way that you weren't able to do when you were kind of just, you know, working flat out on your business?
0: I think so. Yes. One thing I picked up recently from the Tim Ferriss podcast was the concept of the five minute journal. So every day you write a few different bullet points. What am I grateful for today? Three different things. What would make today really great? Three different things. And then daily affirmations, three things. And then at the end of the day, what went really well today? What amazing things happened today? Three things. And then what could I have done today to make today even better? Three things. So I've started doing that recently to practice being more grateful and uh, getting sort of more out of life by being a bit more mindful and present. And then outside of that kind of writing, I write down all my ideas. I write down a lot of stuff about goals I think one thing that having more time for journaling does is for me anyway it made me question my goals and think about whether those goals are really for me or are those goals for other people or do I just have those goals just to impress people or because that's the expected thing for someone in my circumstances so it definitely gave me more clarity in, in that respect.
3: Any other way I'm addicted and-
2: I
1: just can't get enough, I just
3: can't get enough,
2: I just can't get enough. Yeah, so my name is Nathan Berry. I run an email marketing company for professional bloggers called ConvertKit. So over the past three years, we've grown that from being just a tiny little bootstrap company to now we have 13 full-time employees and are in the process of world domination. (laughs) As you do. Speaking of world domination, the
4: reason we're talking right now is because back in 2014, you wrote a post called Enough. And it kind of detailed a story of a friend of a friend who decided that he had reached enough income for the year. If I remember the story correctly, he started working at the beginning of the year and then somewhere about halfway through the year, he said, you know what? That's enough. I've kind of reached my financial goals. Now it's time to focus on some of my other goals that I have in my life. And so if you could, I wanted to see if I could bring you back to that time in 2014 when you wrote this post and tell me a little bit about what you
2: were thinking at the time. Yeah. So I had just, i spent a couple years working in a day job as a designer and then I learned about blogging and, you know, and then I wrote a couple books and courses on software design and those did really well. And I got to the point where in a given month, if I worked hard, I could make $50,000 that month. And so the first three months of 2014, I did. And so I basically came up beginning of April and I'd already made, you know, $150,000, $160,000 that year, which my past salary job was only, you know, at 60000 a year. So I was feeling great. You know, we had a couple hundred grand of cash in the bank and, you know, everything was looking really good. And I just thought, how long am I going to keep all this going? Like what's the goal that we're shooting towards? Because at this point, I'd kind of figured out all the systems and I knew how to make money. And so it's like, do I continue down this path so I can make $500,000 this year, which would, you know, double the previous year. And it was just a place where I thought about what's the ultimate goal? What am I trying to do? And the idea of actually having enough rather than just always trying to double the revenue from the previous year really stuck with me. And so this person who In the story, what they did is, you know, they were a consultant, you know, they worked hard for the first, you know, four or five, six months of the year. And then at the moment they hit a certain number, they wrapped up their projects and said, great, I'll start taking projects again in January. And the idea of leaving that money on the table just sounded crazy to me, but it also sounded really exciting.
4: I think in the online world that we live in with people posting income reports and showing their revenues, if someone posts an income report from 2014 and then they show their income report from 2015 and it hasn't increased, a lot of us might think that they're a failure on some level, or at least that's the feeling I get these days online is that you're a failure if you're not growing your business at a breakneck speed with a hockey stick-like line to it. (laughs) Were you feeling some of that pressure at the time?
2: Definitely. Cause I was, you know, one of those people I, I didn't post like monthly income reports or anything, but transparency is a big deal for me. And so I would post, you know, end of the year reports. And basically I was on the trend of, you know, I did 150,000 one year, 250,000 the next year. And then in 2014, I was like, okay, this is the year that like we go for 500 K. And then I just thought, I don't know. I, I just didn't see an end to that path. And I also had a lot of other things going on. I wanted to buy a house and and be heavily involved in the remodel project. I like building things. I know you do as well. And, you know, I I just wanted to do more things than like optimize the last 20% of my make money online skills.
4: Right. So our producer, Jane, talked with Daryl Mander also during this show, and he told a story about how it was Christmas time, which is about the time of the year that it is now, And how he found himself working on a project and locked himself essentially in a room. And when he turned around, Christmas was over and he hadn't spent enough time, he felt, with his family. And I think we've all gone through times like these. Is there a specific time in your business where you remember thinking, and maybe it was at the time when you wrote this post, where you thought, wow, I've really screwed up the work-life balance here. I've really not focused on some of these other important things. Because there are a multitude of currencies in our lives, right? Our family, money, maybe the remodel project. Is there a time that stuck out specifically for you?
2: I think it was that time. And it wasn't that I felt like I, I missed out on something really important. It was that, you know, I just worked really hard for those three months. And I think the winter time is a great time to work hard, especially if you're not in a tropical location or something like that. You know, so I'd done that. But then I knew, you know, my wife is due with our second son. And so I saw that coming up and I thought, I just I want to have tons of time for this. And it's not that I want to take a couple weeks off. It's that I want to have the mindset of I have all the time in the world and that I have enough on the business side and the money side so that I can just spend time with my little family.
4: You think it's harder or easier for entrepreneurs to plan time off for big events like that, like having a child? Is it just the pressure of not making money? Or is it the pressure from our peers online that it looks like we're being lazy because we're spending time with
2: family? I'm not sure that there's that much pressure from other people, but I think there's a ton of self-inflicted pressure. We get really addicted to you know the scoreboard of what we can do. You know, because everyone else lives in the salaried world where, like, you know, if you do really well, you can get a five percent raise this year, and we live in a world where if we do really well, we can double our revenue, and so the sky's kind of the limit. And so, in that sense, I think it's more—at least for me—I'm I'm competing against myself and I'm competing against what I did last year. I'm probably my worst critic in in that area, and so that's why. This idea of enough was so, so powerful for me because then I could decide like, hey, we can take a break from the game and, you know, maybe we'll play it again later in the year or we'll play it next year.
4: Yeah, many of us, we start our careers, we have virtually no control over our income. And then we become entrepreneurs and then we have infinitely more control over our income. And it's almost like it becomes a problem at some point because we have so much control over it. And so we have to say no sometimes and enough is enough. You know, when you wrote that post in 2014, I also came across another one of your posts about a year and a half later. This was called Growing Conversion Kit to 30K a Month. And I'm looking at this chart that's on this post, and I can see when you wrote that initial post, your revenue was fairly flat, and then it goes up like a hockey stick, like we talked about before. Did you actually start working more, or
2: did you just start working smarter? Did you hire more people? It was two different things, because at the time, basically for the last three years, I've been running two businesses. One has been the books and training side on the blog at NathanBerry.com, you know where I teach design and marketing. And then the other has been ConvertKit, which is the email marketing company, and I ran them together for a long time. And that's what I was doing in 2014. A few months after I wrote that post, I had a conversation with a good friend named Heaton Shaw, who's you know fairly famous in the bootstrapped software world for like Crazy Egg and Kissmetrics and a lot of good software. And he encouraged me to stop doing the hybrid approach. You know, I'd taken a bunch of time off, and ConvertKit's revenue had been flat for almost two years. And they said, "Look, ConvertKit's a good idea, but I think it's time you admit it's a failure and shut it down, or take it seriously, give it the time, money, and attention it deserves, and you know, turn it into something real." And then in October 2014, that's when I decided to really double down on ConvertKit, and I had a lot of energy and that sort of thing from taking time off, and so I went all in on ConvertKit. I invested $50,000 in the product, hired the best developer I knew. You know, we just doubled down on it. So in October, when I did that, we were making $1,300 a month in revenue, which is not great for a SaaS product that you've been working on for, you know, 18 months or more. But now, what, we're 14 months after that. And we just last week crossed $83,000 a month, which, as I'm sure you know, is a very special number because that means a $1 million annual run rate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. Thanks. So it's been quite the year. And so I definitely took that time off and I definitely tried to keep the enough mindset with me the entire time, but then applied that energy to a much bigger goal once I felt re-energized, I guess.
4: Yeah. And so tell me a little bit, Nathan, about what your feelings are on enough right
2: now that you've hit that
4: goal, because you've probably got a very different mindset than when you wrote that post.
2: Yeah. So I've tried to keep it separated in my head of feeling enough and feeling sufficient and feeling a lot of gratitude for what I have and keeping that separate from our business goals. Because we now have business goals to grow this company quite large. And, you know, we're competing with massive companies like MailChimp and Aweber and Infusionsoft. And so we, you know, we have these epic goals, but as we pursue those, I really try to keep this mindset of, being thankful for everything that I have, being thankful that I can spend all the time that I want with my family. And, you know, after we finish this call, I'm going to drive up into the mountains to go visit my dad and we're going to go sledding and and stuff like that. So I found that gratitude is probably one of the most important emotions to have. And that's something that's come out of this whole concept of having enough. So
4: thanks, Nathan, for taking time to reflect on this enough post. I think it was a very important post. I know for me, I read it and I thought, yeah, that's important even today, you know, and you wrote it a year and a half ago. And I think that's some of the magic of writing something that's really good is that it stands the test of time. And so I think that post will be important five years from now for a lot of people as well. Yeah,
2: thanks. It's always fun to talk about.
4: It was really nice to hear from Nathan, Dan, and sounds like he's going to have a fun day going sledding with his dad after we talked. Hopefully that was fun. I want to maybe call to action here in 2016, Dan. I think part of this Enough theme kind of stems from this idea of us comparing ourselves to others because it's so easy to do now in 2016 on the internet. It's so transparent. You know, guys like Nathan and other people online have traditionally over the past couple of years posted like income reports and business metrics and it's all in an effort to be transparent and kind of show their progress. But I think it's done something else too, which has basically made people feel inferior in a lot of ways. Like they're not earning enough money, they're not working enough, things like that. And so, you know, one of the things that I I'm trying myself to do this year, and I don't know about you, Dan, is to stop trying to compare myself directly to other people and to stop trying to compare my bank account to other people. And I think it's in a lot of ways harmful. What are your thoughts on that?
1: One of the things I think about when I think about this is my email inbox, you know? It's like all these things that other people expect of me. It's interesting to ask yourself, like, what do you expect of yourself? Because so much of what we do or so much of what I do can end up being inertia. I'll tell you one of the arenas of my life that I thought about this is how much money I spend. And how much money you spend and like the lifestyle you enjoy can often be dictated by like these, what kind of car should you drive? Or like, what's the appropriate kind of place that an entrepreneur should live in, you know? like, And you don't, might not evaluate like what that means for you. And I think one of the most powerful things about controlling your financial future is being able to live on less because you know that's the mark of a free person is that they don't need much. And one of the things that I recently did, this was only yesterday, is I transferred an amount of money into a bank account for 2016. And it's less than half of the amount of money that I spent in 2015. Hey, that's interesting. And that's the money that I have to live on for next year. And I'm going to see if I can do that because I don't know if my life is better if I spend twice as much, but I do know that I need to do more in order to replace that. And to me, freedom is about having control and having a distance from all those requirements, you know? I have a
4: friend who traditionally, he didn't have a bunch of money and then eventually he came into some money. But before he got the money, he was traveling all the time. He'd do like two or three trips a year and they were pretty amazing trips. He'd go to exotic locations, but he would always kind of stay in not so nice places, you know, because as you know, Dan, that's what eats up a lot of your budget when you're traveling is your accommodations and not necessarily the food that you eat or anything thing like that but he had great times and then he came in some money and then he started going on vacations he was spending three and four times as much as he was spending before he came into that money and i asked him point blank one day i said you know tell me about your vacation i can't remember what it was to so mexico you know now that you have some money is it much different than the vacations that you're taking several years ago and he said absolutely not three to four times more fun as what i was doing before and in some cases even worse because there's less adventure involved because he was spending money to kind of solve these problems on his vacation Medication. Right, and so you know, I think that the idea of certainly spending less money to live can be a very
1: interesting experiment, and a lot of times you can be living a lot richer than if you're spending more money. Sure, and I think when people they have families or relationships, often the first idea is to like spend more money because like you want to show them your love or you want to protect them or you know what I mean there's a lot of reasons why you might spend more money but I think actually things can be more fun when you bond over like having to be resourceful to solve the problem as a collective you know when I was a kid my parents didn't have any money and our vacations were awesome you know we might have you stayed at grandparents house or whatever you know you like make it work you don't have to stay in some like nice private place and so I think it's an interesting experiment like you could spend the money as an entrepreneur who's had some business success but I think if you can have the discipline to maybe do a little bit less, then you have more runway. You have more freedom to do more things. You have more money to make investments or to do things that you're really interested in. I'm not so sure, Ian, that your amazing race car is going to lead you to a bunch of money in the next couple of years. So unfortunately, but if you do spend a little bit less, you get to spend more time there on your passion. So it's something I'm thinking a lot about
4: Yep, and that's the reason I'm cutting up $5,000 Miatas and not $50,000 Porsches. <laughs> it's the same amount of enjoyment for a lot less money.
1: We'd love to hear how you're thinking about enough in your life. This episode, along with all the show notes and links to our guests, will be posted at tropicalmba.com slash enough. And I'm pretty sure that the listeners have had enough of us. That's so enough. That's enough. We're going to get out of here.